0: Do you ever feel small and insignificant as if your voice doesn't matter? Do you ever feel as if what you have to say in the kingdom of God is not something that anybody else wants to hear? Does it seem like perhaps your life has been put on hold? Well, if you can relate to any of those questions, then I think you're going to be really encouraged by today's guest as we continue in our Meet with God, Make Him Known series. I'm going to cue the intro, and then we'll be right back as I get to interview one of my favorite people, Jenny Erlen. Discipleship starts with a conversation Yes, God's Word teaches every Christ follower that we're the ones who can lead others God has entrusted to us into these discipleship conversations. However, just as often other people lead us into these conversations by discipling us and giving us their godly examples to follow, that's what this series of special episodes is about. Hi, my name is Tasha Williams. I'm the founder of the Family Disciple Me ministry, and in these interview episodes, I get the privilege of talking with some amazing, godly people about how they personally meet with God and then make Him known through their lives. I believe we're all going to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged through this. So let's get this conversation started. Today, as we launch another episode of our Meet with God. Make Him Known series. I am delighted to have here in the studio with me a very special woman who is making a huge impact in so many lives. Her name is Jenny Erlen, and she is the ministries pastor at Vanguard Church of Colorado Springs. She shepherds so many people, she disciples so many women, she leads Bible studies, she directs ministries. She's been married to her husband for 31 years. Years. They have five adult children, one of those whom is adopted. They have multiple daughters-in-law and two granddaughters, and just a lot of things happening in their lives. But I'm so excited that you're here with us today, Jenny. Welcome. Thank you so much, Tasha. I really appreciate you asking me to be here. I feel very honored. Well, you have a lot to say to us, and I'm so excited to hear that myself and for our listeners to hear Jenny, would you start us from the beginning and just tell us a little bit about how you came to believe in Jesus and place your faith in him in the first place?
1: Yes. What an amazing story to tell. Um, Our God stories are so incredibly valuable. I was raised in a Christian home. We went to a little church, came through high school, You know, always believed in Jesus, but didn't really live it out. So got to college. And um, I, I was a swimmer, so I kind of grew up learning discipline from an early age. I was in the pool at 5 a.m., even before school. So that ended up, God has used that mightily in my life, Those that discipline that I learned as a child. But anyway, I swam for the University of Kansas, and um, a woman had come on. To the team, I was a sophomore, she was a freshman, and she was a Christian who lived it out and just exuded Jesus. One day I shyly went up to her and said, Oh, did you know I'm a Christian too? And she was like, Really? Like shocked. And that was a wake up call. You know, it's not the response you want when you tell someone you're a believer, basically. So she challenged me to come to church, and it took me a while to do that. But I finally went, and that's when God really started moving in my life.
0: Amen. Mm -hmm. Along that timeline, when did you meet your husband?
1: Um, We met my senior year. So after I had given my life to the Lord, I had been approached by someone at Campus Crusade, who was with Athletes in Action, who said, I want to start a Bible study on the swim team, and I want you to be the liaison between Campus Crusade and the swim team. And I went to lunch with him that day, and um, he shared with me the four spiritual laws. And it's kind of like you don't know what you don't know until you realize that you didn't know it. And I didn't realize why Jesus had to die. And it was this aha moment of... Oh, I get it. Jesus had to die to be the bridge between a a sinful, sinful man and a holy God. And I felt like that day that the scales just came off of my eyes and I walked out different that day. So even though I had believed in Jesus as my savior for years, I felt like I don't know if that's when I got saved, but that's when God really started moving mightily in my life. And I met my husband about a few months later.
0: I think that's an amazing example as we're talking about meet with God. And make him known. Examples of ways to do that 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 campus crusade gentleman Mm -hmm. explained those spiritual laws to you Mm -hmm. and gave you the aha moment in your faith. So, because he took devotion and discipleship so seriously, it made a huge impact in your life.
1: It did. And he didn't do it thinking, I didn't know. He came you know, speaking this, he said, he approached it like, I just want to show you our methods or how we go about it. So I think that, again, shows how God works, is that we don't know what we're saying to people. Sometimes we don't understand the mighty ways that God is going to take our little offerings of obedience and our little offerings of words that we think are small and use those in someone's life in a a mighty way. So he
0: had no idea. Praise God. I know. That's amazing. Yes. Well, let's fast forward in the story because I want to ask you about how you got to where you are now. You, There's so many pieces of your story yes. with being a mom of so many kids, and, and I know there's a lot to talk about there, but how did you get to the position now of being a ministry pastor?
1: I love this story so much. It's it's not an easy story. It's a hard story, but it's a story that God has redeemed the ashes of my life to make them beautiful. And one thing I love about the Lord is he does... He does that. He makes the ashes beautiful. We had struggles as a young couple financially. Four little kids. I stayed home with, and my husband had had kind of one financial downturn after another. We m- ended up moving from our home in Omaha, Nebraska, to Colorado Springs in two thousand and three. We did that because he had he'd just he'd gotten laid off the year before, gotten another job. And three months into it, found out that they were getting bought out by another company and another layoff was pending for us. <laughs> and because we just could not afford to go through another financial setback, we ended up moving with the company and away from my family, which was really, really hard for me. And we had been plugged in. We had moved from the church where I'd grown up to another church where God had elevated us My husband was a deacon and I was um, on the women's ministries team. I was the spiritual growth coordinator and leading Bible studies and speaking at retreats and that kind of thing and just loved, 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 loved our church, loved the people, loved the women. And so we got moved to Colorado Springs, which was really, really hard. And, you know, my friends in Omaha had said, oh, the minute you know, people meet you, they're going to hear wisdom come out of your mouth and all this. And so I expected to come in and jump back into um, um, some kind of role serving in our new church. And um, it just didn't happen. I felt the Lord telling me that he would give me a ministry at some point, but he wanted me to raise my kids first and just pour all my relational energy Into them. I also had felt coming out of the church that some pride had come into my life. So I actually prayed that the Lord would make me invisible. I had no idea the extent of (laughs) how that would be, but um, I felt like Him draw me into a new level of intimacy with Him. And also, He was preparing me at that time to um, adopt our son, which was coming. And I needed to completely focus on my family at that time.
0: So then, how did you end up coming back into women's ministry? Seventeen years later,
1: uh, the Lord sometimes takes us into periods of waiting, and I am. He did so much refining in my life during those many, many years. Yeah, millions of stories regarding that, but I knew. And this is the thing about spending time with the Lord. He speaks identity into us. So as I um, spent time with him, and again, those, those seeds of discipline that I'd learned as a child, I went into my Christian walk that way. Um, knowing that I needed to spend time with the Lord and get into his word. And I did that. And it started when the kids were little, just out of duty, knowing that that's what I was supposed to do. But over time, it grew into a place of me longing for that time. And God has created me personally with a great level of intimacy, And he created me mainly to have that intimacy with him. And so I knew that. So during that time, I I just pressed into my relationship with the Lord. And at one point, I just felt like I was asking him, you know, is intimacy with you enough? Is it enough? Is this what you've called me to? Because I always felt like I had a very small voice, um, my kids heard it, uh, my husband heard it, a few friends heard it, but for the most part, not a lot of people heard my voice. And, and you know, sometimes the people you love most don't listen to your voice mm-hmm. all the time. So um, I just, you know, I, I just asked God a lot, you know, is this what you have for me? Because it, if so, it is enough. But what I learned in that is that he, he kind of said to me, no, it's not enough because, Not only are you meant to seek me, but I also want you to speak me. And we all go through those times where we feel so small and we feel like we're insignificant and we feel like our voice is so small in those times of intimacy with him he would speak to me what I was supposed to be obedient in. And he'll give you those divine appointments and times when he's calling you to speak.
0: So what year then did he bring you out of that 17 years of quietness, of Mm -hmm. intimacy with him, and put you into a position that you were able to really begin on a high level start impacting other people
1: in those times of times with the Lord, I felt like him telling me to write. So I did a lot of journaling. I and I, what formed out of those journals was essays. And, and these essays became little stories from my life. And I wrote it for my children, um, stories from my life that all had spiritual impact on me. So the most minute Things you know that God had turned around for His good and for me to know Him better, so I started composing these essays. And what became of it was a book. The book, ironically, is is named "And the Piccolo Plays On," which is comes from um, a writing that Cory Ten Boom did, talking about a composer who, a famous composer, Sir Michael Costas who had a very keen ear to the symphonies he would conduct. And up in the corner one day, the piccolo player, which the piccolo is very, very, very light sound, a very soft sound, decided, you know, what I do doesn't matter. I'm just going to stop. Like nobody can hear my piccolo anyway. And he stopped playing and the conductor immediately shut down the whole symphony and said, where's the piccolo? He, he, with his tune ear, noticed that the piccolo player had stopped playing. And through many tears and many weeping, I I gave my pledge to the Lord that even though I'm a piccolo, God, even though my voice is small and even though not many people hear it, Jesus, I am going to play my song to you I will not stop so that's the theme of my book is having a small voice but yet even though it's small God I am going to speak when you want me to I'm going to even though the enemy is telling me all the time that I don't matter and my voice is small I'm still going to keep singing my sweet song to you Lord for your glory I composed this book, and then um, at a Multiply conference our church held, I felt God asking me to go to that, which it's very hard when you're in the shadows to come out of the shadows. It's very scary. And I went, and at that conference, they said, if you want to be mentored or be a mentor, let us know. And so I went up to the, the current ministry's pastor and told her, I want to mentor and be mentored. I want to do both. And So she ended up inviting me into a huddle. And in the meantime, God told me, go give her a copy of your book, which was really scary as well, because no one cared. I mean, I'm talking good friends. You know, what would you do today? Oh, I wrote. I'm writing a book. And, like, it was crazy to me how no one cared. No one asked me questions. No one was interested. But yet God said, go give it to her. And that rejection, you feel, you're feel you putting yourself kind of on the line to be rejected again. But, you know, we do these things for the Lord and let him have the results in it. But anyway, that propelled me into a huddle. Um, from then, I became the Women's Ministries Director. And then a few months later... This um, wonderful woman said that she and her family were moving out of town and that she'd put my name in as from her job, which was ministries pastor. So praise
0: God. (laughs) He does miracles. For such a time as this. That's right. For such a time as this. You've touched on this, but I want to give you space to share more about this what does it look like now? You're out of the shadows. God mm-hmm. has put you into a place of influence, a place where your voice is very loudly heard. Yes. What does it look like for you personally to meet with God? Mm-hmm. Not on behalf of everybody else, but still having that intimacy yourself as you seek Him.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm just in amazement of what the Lord has done in my life. It's so crazy. Like, I'll I'll sit in that auditorium and look down at those faces all looking at me, listening to my voice. And I'm, I just sit there like, God, you are, you are amazing. So he took a piccolo <laughs> and then gave me this big voice where um, people actually want to hear it. So it still just blows me away. But um, I cannot do what I do without that intimate time with the Lord. So now I get paid to study the Word of God. Now I get paid to lead bible studies and mentor women and lead over children's ministry and these amazing things that God has lifted me up to be able to do. But to me there's a difference between being in my office and studying the word of God or preparing a sermon versus what I do when I go into my um into the garden with the Lord. What I what I do on the weekends is when I take that time and I have to carve it out. Because, you know, there's always things competing for our time, but I have to spend that intimate time with the Lord so that he can pour into me living water that I have something to pour into other people. Because if I don't have that, I'm just dry. I have nothing to give. So I go and I get replenished with the Lord. I spend time with him. I open up his word, not not to study it just to read it just to be with him i turn on my praise music i kind of i don't have a lot of structure usually with those times i just feel the lord leading me i cannot forsake that time and spending it with my first love because that's what enables me to to do anything really
0: so out of that abundance out of that water that he pours into your life, then you go and you make him known to others. And you've talked a lot about this, but would you have anything that you want to add about that, how you disciple others?
1: I think it goes back to the identity portion again. And and this is where what I get when I'm in that intimate place with the Lord. He speaks identity into me. And what that does is give me confidence to go live it out, so the Lord prophesied over me a while back. This was right before we we moved. I was walking into a movie theater. <laughs> I think it's funny, you know, where God chooses to speak um, the most unlikely times. I mean, I literally stopped dead in my tracks as I felt this prophecy come over me of Him saying, um, and it's a prophecy over Jesus from Isaiah, but Him saying, "You're called to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free." And that's what I that's what I seek to do in all of the small groups and the Bible studies and the discipleship. We're all held captive by things we don't even know we're held captive to. We're all brokenhearted in things we don't even realize. And the more we walk with the Lord, the more he frees us and the more that he heals us. So I feel like my main calling on my life is to be an instrument of the Lord to set captives free and bind up broken hearts. He tells us that by his truth, we will be set free. So that's part of getting into his word is he sets us free with the truth. And some of us have believed lies from the enemy from the time we were little girls about who we are. And it's only by being with the Lord. It's only by being in his word that we learn who he says we are. And that makes all the difference.
0: Amen. And your ministry, as you make him known, is making so much of a difference. I Mm -hmm. see it in the lives of so many women in our church. It really is a beautiful thing. I just praise God. That he has brought you to mm-hmm. Vanguard Church and raised you up for such a time as this, Jenny. Thank you for joining us in this episode today. Thank you, Tasha. I love Vanguard Church. I believe in
1: in what we're doing there. I love the women of Vanguard. So, um, and God is moving. He is. He's so amazing, so beautiful, so worth all of the the trouble, the, the pain, the suffering we go through, keep pressing in. He is, he will blow your mind and greatly exceed your
0: expectations. Amen. Friends, as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged and inspired as you continue to walk with the Lord, as you continue to meet with Him and make Him known in your life, in your world, in your ministry. I'd like to close with the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He turn His countenance toward you. And friends, may you, may I, may we turn our countenances toward Him. May we set our eyes on Him. And as we do this, may He give all of us peace. Until next time, go with God, be encouraged,